0: Hello, and welcome to the Gale Hill Radio Hour. I'm your host, Kate Jones, having a conversation with John Perry, co-author of a charming book for cat lovers of all ages. John, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Happy to be here.
0: I am so glad you're here, because I'm very fond of the cat that wouldn't purr. I also like its mission— which always has been to raise money in support of animal welfare. In this episode, we'll talk about the real cat on which the story is based and how long it took, 30 years, for this labor of love to come to fruition. I should first mention that this slim, beautifully designed softcover can be as difficult to track down as a stray cat, There are about 75 copies still available from its first and only printing, and we'll tell you later in the show how to get one of them. As an aside, I admit that I'm making it my personal mission to see if we can generate enough demand for The Cat That Wouldn't Purr to extend its life. Nine printings, nine lives. That would be nice. And all proceeds go to a good cause. So, John... Please tell the story of Talker, the star of your book.
1: Well, let's start off by saying that Talker was a real cat. And uh, the whole story, The Cat That Wouldn't Purr, uh, is, a, is a true story, or at least true based. Talker was just a, a stray cat that wandered into our lives. We had other cats, and um, and he was auditioning to try and become a permanent resident. And then one day, uh, Sunday on a Sunday morning, uh, he came in. And it was like crying, and looked at him, and I said, no, oh, something's wrong." So we made a phone call and went out to uh, the veterinarian uh, in Stowe. And uh, Sunday morning, of course, it's an emergency, right? So there goes the first hundred dollars. Of guy course, that's up. the way oh, things go. Is, sure. <laughs> and um, he said. Uh, his jaw's broken. Somebody kicked him. And it, you know the street we live on is a street where uh, you can hear people 2 o'clock in the morning coming from the bars and stuff like that. So it was possible that he was kicked pretty hard.
0: My goodness. Uh,
1: and so they said, we can wire his jaw back. So I even helped the doctor down in the uh, operating room. And we did. We wired his jaw back together. I took him home. Uh, he was in pain. We had some rum sauce that we had left over from Thanksgiving, put it down in a can lid and he started licking it and I guess he got a little tipsy or whatever, but anyway, he went to sleep and he was there for three weeks before he could eat solid food again.
0: So he got pretty high every day. <laughs> yeah, and
1: well I didn't give him the wrong sauce every day. Oh, okay. Uh, the first couple of days. Uh, and he When he would eat, uh, he would make noises. I think it was because maybe the pain of the jaw. He would sound something like this. And we liked it. We said, you know, he talks so much, We'll just call him Talker. And that became his name. And he was in our life for probably 12 or 13 years uh, for that. We just loved him. He also had a squinty eye, very like, like Popeye, that had... Been affected by the kick, and uh, so uh, he became one of our cats. And we, I was telling the story on a party that we at a party that we held, and an old friend of mine, uh, Paige Stevens from Cleveland, said, "I like that story. I'm going to go home and try and put it to rhyme." And he did just that.
0: And he was a, a writer or a poet uh, or what?
1: Well, he's a cultural anthropologist. Ah. Uh, and on the x y axis, uh, x being uh, crazy and why being normal. He was right at that point. Okay, he had a little bit of both, uh, <laughs> and that's why
0: it. you liked him. Great that's why you were friends. <laughs> Wonderful guy.
1: And uh, I, I read how he did it, the verse, and I said, "You yeah, know, it's not bad." And so uh, made a couple of changes, and I went and met with Chuck Ayres, who was the editorial cartoonist for the Beacon Journal at the time, and I convinced Chuck to take a stab at drawing sketches uh, to make a book. Okay. And Chuck did it, and the sketches were very good. And so we sent the copy and the sketches off to New York. And after about five polite rejection letters, (laughs) um, I thought, well, I don't think this is going to make it there. Uh, So I put everything in a box and put it in my closet. And forgot about it for thirty years.
0: Wow, that is quite a story. And these were the 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 illustrations that Chuck drew. Those sketches mm-hmm. were black and white. They were simple. Yeah, they were sketches. just
1: uh, uh, pencil uh, sketches. Oh, you know, on he's
0: a good illustrator. Oh, he's a good illustrator. Wow. So
1: after thirty years, uh, somebody that he used to work with, John Schombeck, with. Who published Northern Ohio Life Magazine at the time? Yes. Uh, we and he and I were having uh, coffee one day, and he said, "You know, uh, publishing has changed a lot." And he said, "I'm doing books now. Uh, you know, uh, not big runs, but books." And I said, "So Yar-? when someone
0: has a book, for instance, that maybe wouldn't have wide wide appeal, mm-hmm. or or that person just wants to do a few copies, right?" Yeah, self-publishing
1: type of thing. Right. Right. And uh, so I went home and went through the closet and found the old box and opened it up. And here was all of this. I I took it to John. I said, well, what do you think? And he looked at the sketches and, and the copy and he said, I think we can work with this. So he took it to Ben Small uh, who was his colorist, I think, at the his time. His graphic designer. Graphic he designer.
0: designed okay. all of Northern Ohio Live uh-huh. and also the uh, orchestra programs, and you know, just all those yeah. all those projects.
1: And I thought we would have to go back to Chuck Ayers and have him redo things. And Ben looked at it and said, no, I can work with this. This
0: yes. is good enough. This and he's is- a good artist. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: yes. So uh, there were just, I think, two little changes uh, that I had Chuck make. Uh, he had made the veterinarian a me. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. A oh, man with a mustache and so on. And I wanted a woman veterinarian, so he changed that. And uh, the rest is history. I mean, it's we published it, and it goes for uh, animal welfare organizations, uh, the proceeds, uh, to try and help them.
0: So for a long time, you really tried to get animal welfare organizations Interested in them?
1: Yeah, and and it, it was I was surprised, but I, I'm not now because um, animal welfare organizations, generally speaking, are day to day survival. So they have kind of peasant concepts in them. Uh, one is that they're so intent on surviving the next week, they don't have time. To fiddle around with marketing and publications right. and things like that, so
0: survival I didn't mode. Go, yeah, I didn't go didn't creative. go
1: anywhere with it, mm-hmm. and uh, I was disappointed because I thought, well, they could make some money uh, out of it—a few thousand dollars or whatever—might help. Uh, so I basically gave up and went to the Portage Foundation and said, "Okay, here's all my books uh, on your website. If you just will create Talkers Fund there." And if anybody wants to come and make a donation, they can get a, a book.
0: Okay. And all the proceeds went to organizations. Well,
1: now the the proceeds go into Talker's Fund, and then Talker's Fund makes uh, charitable donations right. out to the organization.
0: Right. So, right. Okay. Well, I, just, I do want to say that live publishing did a really, really nice job oh, on the did. book. Yeah. The front and back covers have such a soft feel, and it's— filled with these fun and fitting illustrations. I especially like talkers' expressions yes. throughout the book. They're really classic and good. So the book was published in 2014. Right. And you had created a Facebook page, which hasn't been updated lately. Would you tell why?
1: Yeah. Uh, page died.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. The co-author,
1: Paige Stevens. Uh, passed away, and that was kind of, I reached kind of the end of the rope on the on the thing with the organization's not that interested, um, the website, you know, it, and then page dying. I just, uh,
0: but sort of the end of the the yeah, project yeah. for you.
1: But it's still a good book, and uh, your interest in it. Uh, spurs me to become interested again. Yes, as well. So, well,
0: um, Jeff Ritter, who works for Live Publishing, um, gave me a copy. A few uh, now, it's been a few years, probably yeah. just a handful of years. And and I have a lot of books. I always was just I was just I took to it immediately. I really loved it. And um, but of course, things get buried, and you know you know you have stuff going on and everything but I always meant to reach out to the authors and then when I finally had some time after I retired from Cleveland Clinic um, had a little bit more time in my life I realized that um, Paige had passed away in uh, 2018 in May of that year and um, and but I but I wanted to get a hold of you, and it took me a while to to get around to asking the question about how to do that, and then finally getting your contact information. So it's been a journey for me too. Oh,
1: of course, yeah. And the book is uh, it's kind of a Christmas-oriented book, so it would really make a wonderful stocking stuffer uh, for. Grandmas and aunts and uncles. To, yes, you know, any to send for cat lover. Yeah.
0: and and to read it to a child it would you know would be great oh, to yeah. do that and the illustrations and it's just really a fun book and it comes across to me as a real right now as a real tribute to your friend.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean he was a cultural uh, anthropologist. Uh, he had his PhD. Uh, he very intelligent man. Uh, but never published. Uh, and then it was interesting that we finally got this one published with his name on it. Yeah. And uh, and so he does go down in history as a published author.
0: Oh, that is sweet. Yeah. And you had been friends for a really long time, right?
1: Oh, yes. Golfing buddies and uh, – just crazy in the 60s and 70s I mean it was well uh, yeah
0: as so many of us were he was a
1: crazy <laughs> Scotsman
0: oh really oh <laughs> so just give us a, a one little um tidbit about his craziness
1: uh well we would go out and play golf and he was uh he he, uh, he could be very loud when he wanted to be and he laughed loved to laugh and his laugh it was just, you could hear it all over the place. So a round of golf, uh, we had fun, but There were a number of people that were very upset with us uh, simply because of the noise level.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it is golf when people speak in hushed tones. (laughs) That's
1: correct.
0: (laughs) But, you know. Not the two of us. (laughs) No. I think a good boobing laugh is appropriate now and then. Maybe not on the golf course, but I don't know. (laughs) I'm not on the golf course very often.
1: (laughs) Well, we were equally bad golfers as well.
0: Okay, <laughs> so you have to have some fun. Yeah. So um, would you describe your wife, Mary, and yourself as cat people or in general as animal lovers? No,
1: I think we're animal lovers uh, first. And But when I married her, she had cats and I had cats. So it became a merger uh, in that respect.
0: Which can be difficult sometimes, yeah. the merging of cats. <laughs>
1: but we both believe that in the evolution of life on Earth, Man was the accident, <laughs> and that a, the animals were perfect. Yeah, and remain so.
0: Well, that's what um, I actually saw a little cartoon one time, and it was uh, there were two lines trying to get into heaven, and the um, animals, cats and dogs and all the rest, just waltz right in. It was open, open gate. But the the humans had to <laughs> check in and right. see if right. they were if they qualified. <laughs>
1: Animals are animals. They right. do what their instincts are. Uh, the fact that they love people, uh, especially dogs. Uh, I don't know why.
0: Yeah. Maybe they
1: see something in us we can't see in ourselves.
0: They Yes, they serve our highest selves. I think we're for most of us, except for people who abuse animals, yeah. but for most of us, we do have a soft spot yes.
1: for animals. So. And, of course, they can hear a can opener. or...
0: They like their food too, (laughs) for sure. Well, what would you say that Talker brought to your lives? Well, I mean, just the
1: joy of seeing a cat that has undergone such a terrible punishment as being kicked in the head um, come back and still learn to love people. Oh. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, and he was. I, he would call in Mary's arms when she was in a rocking chair and fall asleep. Uh, he was just fun. He was a, a great guy to be with and to have around the house. Uh, and we've had so many cats, so many wonderful stories in our lives. That, uh, But this one was special. Yes. You know? uh, and the fact that we were able to save his life, uh, I think, was something important to us as well.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yes. So you had cats after Talker.
1: We have 15 right now.
0: 15? Uh, That's a of community them, of cats.
1: Yeah, most of them were feral cats that then became pregnant in the neighborhood or whatever okay. they, and found us because we do put out food. Yes. Um, but we had them trapped and neutered and spayed, uh, except for one mm-hmm. that we haven't been able to catch yet. Okay. And she is pregnant.
0: Oh, my. So there will be more. There will be more. Coming. Do they stay out in a barn or a garage? Or they
1: where? stay all over. Uh, but we did build a big housing unit on our deck uh, around 8 feet by 8 feet by Seven feet tall, oh my gosh, and it has all different levels of where they can go in and sleep, and it's
0: warmed. Oh wow, so, so this is out of is it an actual structure out of wood or I built it You built it yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. and uh, we put heaters in there, and they survive the winter quite well.
0: Oh my goodness, <laughs> you really are animal lovers, you and Mary yeah. Crazy. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. I, I think it really is. Um, so, in the best possible world, yeah. what would you like to see happen with this sweet story of Talker?
1: I think I need to have lunch with John Schombeck again and uh, and talk to him uh, about putting, for one thing, the indicia on the back of it so that libraries would accept it. Okay. Uh, right now, it uh, wouldn't be accepted by any library because it
0: doesn't have that. Right. Uh, so and, and what is that that you're talking about? That's the little
1: uh, sticker with the little bars on it uh, that says what it is and how much it is or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: it's I not the same as the, what is it, ISBN number or whatever that is. It's not the same as that?
1: I think that's it. It is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's a,
0: that's registered with the Library right. of Congress. That's what it is. Ah, okay.
1: Yeah. And uh, so they just don't accept things that aren't registered with the Library Congress.
0: Ah, okay. So
1: it's So that would pretty. be one change.
0: I don't think it's, you know, for um, my first job with how I got to Cleveland Clinic, because I've always been in communications. Yeah. Uh, my first job was with a short-lived— um, enterprise within Cleveland Clinic called Cleveland Clinic Press mm-hmm. and and I worked there for 3 years before it went by the wayside and that was I went to Cleveland Clinic in 2005 this was not a good time for publishing book publishers had no idea what they <laughs> what to do in the climate that you right. know it that existed then so but we had a lot of fun we produced a lot of books they were all on health for the general public mm-hmm. And, um, and so, as I recall, the process wasn't that difficult to get, you know, to register with the right. Library of Congress. So, we can, I'm sure you can do it. And, yeah. and you know that I would <laughs> would promote this new edition of, of the cat that couldn't, wouldn't purr. Yeah. He could purr, he wouldn't purr. <laughs> yeah.
1: And we'll just see where it goes
0: yes. you know, from there. I think that would be wonderful. So how do people get a copy of The Cat That Wouldn't Purr?
1: Well, they go to the Portage uh, Foundation, portagefoundation.org okay. website. And then where it says donor funds, you would click on that button and a list of funds would come up. Okay. And then you one of those funds, it says talkers fund. Okay. And you click on that and then you can... Fill out the information and make a donation. I think of twenty dollars, and a book will be mailed to
0: you. Wonderful. Okay, that's simple enough. Um, Is there anything else, John, that you'd like to add?
1: Actually, no. Uh, It's been enjoyable. You know, I dug out a copy of the book and looked at it again uh, before this podcast, and uh, it 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 is nice. It's nice. It would make it a wonderful, wonderful gift.
0: That's the whole thing. You know, when Jeff handed it to me, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is beautiful. And <laughs> and then I read it, and it was terrific. You know, yeah. it's just, as I said at the very beginning, it's a charming book. Yeah, And is. thank you for doing it.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Thank you.
0: This is Kate Jones with the Gale Hill Radio Hour. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Please remember to subscribe, like, and share. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you.